the Damaged Goods Podcast. Trying to settle down, dude. That that was strong. Um, strong cold brew. That me. coffee? No, that was like jet fuel, dude. You, so you know, yeah. I'm not the only one whose heart's racing. Like I thought I was gonna have. To, I thought I was gonna make me have to take a shit. Dude. I was like, I don't know, dude. I might have to go fucking. I want. I hate doing that at people's houses I, too. I like, feel I'm about, as, but it didn't. It just got me fucking wired. I couldn't tell. I took like a little bit of mushrooms earlier, just like micro dosing. Yeah. Uh, I do that. So I was like, maybe that's why. I was like, no, dude. It's that coffee. I asked the girl what is too. Microdose and what is that exactly? It's people use different forms of psychedelics, either like mushrooms or some people use LSD. Uh, microdosing in such small amounts, they say, helps improve things like depression and anxiety, and um, maybe like you get PTSD and stuff like that. It's taking like such a minuscule. So you don't amount. really trip. No, not at all. No not trip at all. all. Like you no. don't trip at all. I've only done it. I mean, I've done my fair share of hallucinogens recreationally right. tripping balls and that's probably therapeutic too but they say you just take a little bit it depends like, I've been doing just little little crumble of mushroom dust and it's been helping my depression I was crawling out of a little depressed spell recently so it's really helping and it gives you like sometimes it gives you a little euphoric rush that's why I couldn't tell if it was the cold brew because I was feeling like yeah and then I was like oh man my heart's racing what the fuck now when you eat mushrooms like in like a like an eighth of mushrooms oh yeah that's that was the standard Right. Quantity, right? Aren't you supposed to throw them up? Uh, because the, I don't know. So you're supposed to inject, from what I understand. Get the psilocybin you, in your you, body? Yep, you get in your, and then you throw it up because it's so bad for your, like, your digestive system or whatever. I the, don't the know poison if you're supposed the, to. I know, like, some poison. people do. It is poison. So you, like, I guess you're supposed to get get it out of your body because now you're already going to trip either way. Yeah. I, well, how long do you think you have to have it in there? I don't know. I don't I've, know. I never did that. I've, I always, I've never thrown up off mushrooms. And, I always ate them and just <laughs> ate them. Big boy, dude. <laughs> yeah, I just ate them. When I drink ayahuasca, like, throw up. That's pretty common, throw up yeah. there. Or to even take shits of magnitude. For me, it's like I imagine all the molly that I um did. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was way worse from my stomach then. Yeah, and then and some people microdose that, too. Some people microdose MDMA. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's more people like PTSD, like soldiers and shit like yep. that. I've been just starting out doing it. Um, I had homies trying to use it to kick to, to kick pills and drugs and shit, either microdosing ketamine or uh, psilocybin. Yeah, I, that's what I. So that's what when you said microdosing, I heard someone saying that about ketamine because I used to, I used to be okay. Nah. I was a microdosing. I had a. Yeah. I actually had a tattoo on my arm, that was a bottle of K, <laughs> with a alley cat ripping out of the top, flipping the fucking bird. And you can still kind of see Oh, you it. covered it up. I covered it, dude, because, like, what was I going to tell my, she asked my daughter? It's just, like, no, I shouldn't, if someone put a pot leaf on their shoulder, it's corny as fuck. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So why am I going to have a bottle? I, you know, my, when I started to mature a little and I wasn't 17 anymore, I was like, yo, I'm like, I got to do something with this. And you really couldn't tell what it was, but I was like, man, I shouldn't be proud that I used to rip fucking Kay. licks all day long. I mean, I, I did it when I was little, and then I tried it again recently, Recently, in the last few years, because it's they say good for depression. Like people are going and getting treated for depression with it, but they're first of all they're not blowing lines of it when you're going right. for that. And I don't know what the doses they administer and how it's administered. So my boy was trying to microdose K. I, 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 I you know, he was trying to do it to get off um, some perks, and he didn't have any success with it. But I'm like, I don't know how you're doing it at home, and like, I don't know if you're taking like bumps of it at home if that's the way you're supposed to use it to microdose. I don't think you're supposed to yeah. take bumps. And like, I don't know, some people really like, I actually noticed that when I did try it again in those recent times, 
it felt I, I didn't feel bad afterwards. Where, so maybe I didn't I didn't do a lot. Maybe it kept me good. I mean, a bump a K, a key bump could so, rock you. Yeah, yeah, that's a what I'm saying. Bump a K could fuck your yeah, day up. Yeah, you know that's a mean? lot. But I didn't get into a hole, mm-hmm. and I and I didn't feel depressed afterwards. You know, um, the K hole. Yeah, and like you know, some people say like like for me, MDMA always gives me such a depressant zap of all my serotonin for days. I feel like shit. It boggles my mind how to like boggles my mind how they um. How they microdose that for PTSD and depression? I don't know. It must be just a finite amount. I must have been taking too much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So if you obviously the, like what we were taking, probably me and you both, you take that stuff. The, the first rush when you do like real Molly, yeah. the first time you do it, yeah. that the way that starts, you almost not, you almost think you're gonna fall over. And then yeah, you're just like oh, your whole body from head to toe. Yeah, Did so that's. Yeah, you're definitely draining out for yeah. a couple weeks supply. <laughs> I'm just glad you're feeling jittery from the coffee, too, because I was like, fuck, man. I'm strong. flying, dude. Flying, I just felt like dude. I just did a fucking reel in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, seriously, my heart is People like, are going to be like, look at these dudes. They're talking about, like, you know, drugs, drugs and they're blasted on coke right now. And it's just nah, that, what, that, what, what kind of coffee was that? We're sober today, dude. That, that high-flying voice uh, uh, is a repeat offender on Damaged Goods. He's a guest. He's a director. He's a producer, actor. Johnny Hickey's back. Thank you for coming by, getting all high off coffee with me. Thank you. Thank you for the coffee. And, Thank uh, you for yeah. having me. It's crazy, man, because like sometimes I drink coffee to do, like I don't know if when you're working on films, like I drink coffee to, to write. It helps me writing, you mm. know, and certain things like that. And sometimes if it's too strong, it's like, fuck, man, it's harder to do what you're trying to do. Yeah, what I notice is like when I drink it in the morning, if I don't eat something, I get all cracky from it. Especially, it depends on the coffee too. It is the like, who, like where the coffee's made, how it's brewed yeah. and shit. Dunkin' Donuts makes me feel gross back home, <laughs> but I still drink it all the time. But like after yeah. like two iced coffees, I feel like you know like uh, two iced coffees is a lot. Too, yeah, though. dude, espresso shots and turbo oh, yeah. shots, yeah. all yeah. that. Yeah. Turbo yeah. shots. Yeah. Okay. yeah, ice, ice, crack, fucking coffee. Dude, it's shit. so hard to get iced coffee in some countries, man. Imagine they look that. at you crazy. They're like, "What the fuck? Dude? What iced coffee? No, no, it's ninety nine <laughs> degrees out. Here's a hot. Coffee. Here's a hot. Here's a hot steam. But back in you. the East Coast, dude, especially in Mass, Boston, like I mean, I used to drink only iced coffee, even in February. Dude. That's how I am. I, I only I that hot coffee is like a kind of a newer thing for me. Hot coffee is like if I wake up at like someone's house in some cold place and they're like, "I made a cup of coffee." You know, it feels nice know? in your hands. Yeah, that's it though. But. I, <laughs> And the hot coffee fucks your breath up too. Like, if does you're iced out, coffee not fuck your breath up? Doesn't, too? not for me. No. <sighs> Smelling my breath, that guys. Hot, that hot coffee though fucks people's breath up. Yeah. And what's no the one thing I hate, and like you are a guy who's on camera and shit a lot. Mm-hmm. I end up on camera occasionally. Fucking stains my teeth, yeah, your teeth dude. dude. Yeah. I didn't drink coffee till I was like 26. So my whole life I was like, oh, all oh, good. And then I'm like, why does my teeth look fucked up? It fucking I have two coffees. Drinking brown shit every day. Just dude, it's so them. bad. Yeah. Tea also, man. T two, yeah, certain teas. Do yeah. you think if I drank it through a straw, it would be um, just mainline it? Man, just micro, what, it, what my, it feels like. Microdose, microdose it. Oh Christ, microdose your coffee. Oh, dude. So are you out here? Um, are you out here still doing some habitual things? Habitual is Johnny's um, latest film, by yeah, the way. Yeah, habitual is like wrapped as far as like post production and all that goes. So now it's all in getting habitual out there to people and and like what what's the best way to do that? Because people don't, you know, like. Every film is a different situation. Every production is a different situation. And what I've realized is these VOD platforms and stuff are changing so much. And like a film like Habitual, it's a complicated film. So I wanted to like, before I start just pushing it to like, who's going to buy it, like see what it is to other people outside of me and my group that have been involved in it. Because everyone that's involved is going to be behind it. So I submitted to a few festivals. Um, One festival I can't announce 
got back to me though on Instagram and said it was a festival director and we didn't even do notifications yet, but we want to let you know that you're going to be in our festival. So it's huge. That's and dope. this isn't a you know a place not in Boston, not here. They don't know me, and a whole board is early saying on early that they want it in their festival. And it's a like a film festival. It's not a horror fest. It's more of a film fest for like filmmakers, which is great. But then yesterday, I can announce that we got in the Reels of the Dead festival, which it tours. It's part of the uh, Days of the Dead tour, which is a massive horror convention that starts in Atlanta and works its way around like seven cities in the country. Damn. And so we got accepted into that yesterday. So we'll be touring with Reels of the Dead. We'll be in Vegas in March and it just opens. I gotta come out. Yeah, dude. It opens, uh, you know, the door for all these horror fans to finally see Habitual, to come to these events and see it and and talk about it and get it out there. And like, so if, if you guys don't know, Johnny's first movie, uh, Oxymorons, is, is not a horror movie, although it's horrific in some ways, but it's yeah, it's not. So, like, this is your second film. Are you, like, kind of leaning towards this lane of horror films? For If, if you was to make a third movie, or you, maybe you already are. Um, my my niche market that I'm doing is, is dark crime drug stories. You know, So habitual, it's... Much horror, and in the chapter of it is like viciously horror, but it opens up as a crime drama. It's a story, and you, you almost forget you're gonna watch a horror movie. It's fucked up, and there's fucked up shit going on, but it doesn't turn to a horror movie for you know, till you know, 20 30 ah, minutes into the I chapter. I like that, dude. That's tasteful, yeah. actually. Yeah, so it's just different. So it's not like a slasher film, but there are moments in the movie, and once shit gets fucked up, where it's super vicious and gore and like that kind of stuff that horror fans love. But I'm, my niche market is gonna could be crime drama, horror, psychological thriller, all kind of in, in the drug element, in the dark drug world, because yeah. you, you you should write and tell what you know. Yeah, I and I know that world you, all too well. So I, the next film I have is a psychological thriller, horror, I guess in a way, called Devil's Detox, which we were talking about people doing microdosing for, um, you know anxiety depression to kick drugs so there's this stuff i know you ever hear of ibogaine yeah of course okay so so you know what ibogaine a lot of people don't know what ibogaine it's is true so i researched this shit so it was found in south africa from this tribe called the bahiti tribe and they take it and there's different you know uh history to it but what they believed was that you take this ibogaine and what happens is a spirit, a good spirit, enters your body. It's supposed to be taken on, like, sacred ground or whatever. Yeah. Enters your body, and for 72 hours, you, like, hallucinate, and all this yeah. shit happens. But then that spirit stays with you and never allows you to use, like, bad substances again because if you do, the spirit will have to leave your body and doesn't get to, like, be with you or whatever. So that's why you never do yeah. drugs. That's, that's the, you know, the, yeah. the whatever of it, right? So, I mean... But, the, you know, the science of it is it's a hallucinogenic, you know, whatever happens for 72 hours happens. And then people swear Dude, that they don't it, they don't do drugs it anymore does. after. It does. You know? It's similar to ayahuasca, which I've done a lot of. Right. And I've had friends kick drugs and alcohol instantly off that, you know, instantly, instantly, instantly. I the first time I did it and I didn't do it for substances. I did it for, you know, whatever, PTSD and all this other shit. For two and a half months, I didn't smoke weed or drink after the first time. And that was just a byproduct. It was weird. I didn't intend for that. I didn't ask for it. I came out of it. Just no desire. I got back into it, obviously. But that's it. Th those things are powerful for kicking substances. So, see, I, I've never done any of them. But I've always heard. I, I heard about ayahuasca first. Yeah. And I went to look up 
ayahuasca you found and ibogaine. i found ibogaine yeah ibogaine they say is better for kicking substances more effective ayahuasca does but it treats other more like psychological shit right you know, so it does, right so it does all this crazy shit to you and, and for whatever reason like the united states won't let it in it was here ayahuasca is allowed by two religious organizations in america one of which my friends like a shaman for they can legally administer it. ibogaine i don't ibogaine know they can't yeah, though ibogaine so. was here and then in the 50s they of course pushed it out whatever right yeah. so so the you know the thing with it is is now what happens if you take ibogaine in a place that's not a good place with good spirits so there's you know, someone who's involved in a in the drug world ends up having to go to a detox center up in the woods in Salem that's like, you know, got this cursed negativity behind it anyways, and he decides that the way to short-term detox and get out of this place, he's going to take Ibogaine there. And so that's the story. Ah. You know, that's the, the mix of the story anyways. It's like, pardon me if this is a misinterpretation of what you're doing, but like, you got your kind of like you niche. You said like it's like the crime docs, like thriller kind of stuff, like using the horror canvas on habitual is kind of like ways to keep telling those stories, but in different ways. Like here's a horror version, but it's still telling the same kind of stories you're telling in oxymorons. The underlying stories, right. you know, because there's a million of I them. I dig that, dude. I there's dig a million that. of. So you think of so I've always so my I you know Oxy is a crime drama, obviously, and, and it has its cult following. So I know how to write crime, I, I feel, anyways, you know, because I, I know every element of the streets and stuff from here to Boston, yeah, right? Yeah. And everything in between. And then you watch, and I, I'm a fan of horror. I love horror movies. Yeah, I was going to ask if that was like a big thing. And, yeah, and one of the biggest things with watching horror movies is like it always opens up the same fucking way. Like family moves into a house, yeah. little kid, house is haunted. Group of friends from high school, the jock, the this one, the token black kid, whatever the fuck it is, end up with a slasher killer chasing them wherever yeah. it is. You know, so it's always like and That's it's not my a, biggest hang up with it. Yeah. The predictability of horror movies is right. a bummer it's never, for me. Never, you know, like so like when Saw came out, the first Saw, that was great. It was like such a it, it kind of was like when horror was coming back and stuff. It was like, "Whoa, what is this?" You know what I mean? Like this is completely different angle, completely different shit going on. And so and it tied into I noticed that Saw tied into like little worlds of like crime because everyone he was, you know, and the first two, whatever, like the jigsaw was coming after were people that did fucked up shit. So I was like, what about opening up movies and, and bringing people into like the, the realness of like the streets and the drugs? Yeah. All different stories that can take place anywhere. And just the realness of that particular drug, that particular yeah, moment. It's kind of ill. And then it, it turns into the horror. Yeah. It's different. It is different, dude. And you know, like. Uh, just to be honest, horror movies have never been one of my favorites because of kind of what you said. I felt like I'd seen enough to have seen them all. But I, I like, I love crime. I love crime dramas for the same reasons mm -hmm. you kind of do. You know, it's personal and um, connect with the characters. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and the situations and the I can see the authenticity or the lack thereof real quick. And but so, do you be able to tell that story in a different way? Because those stories get uh, you know kind of rehashed too often sometimes too. So to flip it in the way you're talking about through the the guise of a horror film is pretty it's a pretty unique way to do it's, it. And it would make a guy like me who's not always a horror film guy want to watch it's, it. Is opening up a new uh, creating a new genre for people that typically don't like horror. A lot of people that don't like horror came to see my film just because of the drug stuff. Yeah, I would see it because of drug sure. they've been affected by the, So the people that came to these screenings we did back home in Boston were like I don't like horror, but this is like, it's different to yeah. them, you know? They could stop. Well, you're hitting on that. two levels, which is cool because the guys who do like horror, what I have learned from all the people I know, my friends who like horror movies, they fucking love it, dude. They go see everyone, even the, the ones they hate. That's so you're going to suck a lot of people in both ways, dude. That's why they have these conventions and, and these crazy things because there's such a, Yo, it's like a, a fan base. It's, it's a very like 
I don't know out of like all genres of film, like there's no like crime fucking festivals. Not really, there's no, no. like indie rom com festivals. There's horror festivals though, you know. That's it. Maybe sci fi, but that all ties yeah, into, sci fi too. That can all tie in, in in its own way, typically in certain genre fests. But but the horror, f- like you look at Halloween. Look at how crazy Halloween is yeah. everywhere in this country. Yeah. But back home in Boston, out here, like Halloween parties now, like dress up, yeah, I mean yeah. horror. And so d- is it like better for you to release a movie like habitual? Uh, Around like like uh, Octoberish times, I think it could be, but it only if the marketing's there. Yeah, because if there's no marketing behind it, the the appropriate way, then it's what good does it do if it comes out? You know, obviously you don't want to come out in the summertime because people ain't watching movies typically in the summer. Really? If, yeah. Now, like, what about summer blockbusters and shit? I thought that was a thing. Or oh, that's just those just the only those ones. movies. But even still, there's less of amount of people. You know, going on dates and doing stuff throughout the day true, into the night. True. Like during the day in the winter time, or early shows in the winter time, yeah. you could sell theaters because people don't want to be out in the cold. They want to be and watch yeah. a movie. But in the summertime, if they're gonna see a movie, they're not gonna see it till the last show at night That's because true on dates and shit. Yeah, it's ninety-five degrees out in Boston, and you're only, <laughs> you know, in, in LA maybe it's different. In places where it's hot, it, I guess it could be a different market. But anywhere where it, you have winter, winter, yeah. Like definitely, people will take so much advantage of their yeah. summertime that they're not gonna go sit. That's a in really a theater. good point, yeah. dude. It's funny because like, I, when I was living in New York, sometimes and it would be like balls hot, dude. Right, mm-hmm. and there was a time when I wasn't really living in my own place. I was kind of sharing it with a girl, so I didn't have always access. It would be like ninety nine degrees, and like only air conditioned places would be like a subway car, not the platform, my car, or movie theaters mm-hmm. so and like i love indie movies and new york has a lot of indie theaters i could walk to from so i would get high as fuck go to see one smoke a little more get some snacks go to another i'd spend like hours of a hot day when i had no work to go done in a studio just to not be sweating you know but right. I'm, I'm a movie nerd so and, you know. and i am too so for me and you it's yeah, but it's different. Not, but you're the common person. But if you now. take me and you and put us in a room with you know ten other people, it's just me and you probably yeah. that would even do that any time of the year. Yeah. You know, like on that kind of level. Like I always want to go to the movies. I always want to see love, what's up. I love up. going to theaters, uh, dude. Yeah, still, I, I, like the I like. Yeah, dude, I do. Like people look at me like I'm crazy sometimes when I want to go to the theater. Don't but, get me wrong. Like I love the yeah. fact that we can watch whatever we want on TV now. Like we can just. Yeah pop on anything we want and there's such a library of things between yeah. every VOD platform every cable platform yo you said VOD twice for the listeners who don't know and myself who don't know what does that mean video on demand alright so there's so I'll break it down for you right now so when you get into the like He's where I'm at us. right now in distribution you have VOD which is your video on demand like so it's people that have subscriptions to Netflix yeah. Hulu Shut Up those kind of those. that's your VOD then there's CVOD which is Cable on demand, so it's oh, like, yeah, like, like Comcast, Comcast, Xfinity, Cox, Charter, yeah, whatever, all the way up to you know, whatever they have in Canada, satellite and dish network as well is CVOD, and then you have um, TVOD, TVOD, which is television on demand VOD, which is like also, um, and there's SVOD, which is like Amazon Prime, say, but you, even though you're a member, you pay for the view, oh, uh, yeah, so there's these, so they break it down and all of them are kind of vod in a sense but when you come into your markets of like what's exclusive what's not and what you can you got to know those kind of yeah there's different freaking bullshit that they have now you know which is cool because it it's a wide platform and there's so many more opportunities but it also oversaturates things like certain movies you know some people say well i'll go see that in the theater they like maybe the big blockbusters the big war movies like the dunkirks in the 1917s 
Uh, I mean, I like to just see like movies in 35 millimeter. I, I just love going into a theater, yeah. having great sound, a giant yeah, screen, phone's fucking off. pop. Can't use my fucking phone pop. for two hours. I know. I Detox from the phone, dude. It's the only yeah, time that you can. Popcorn, mad snacks, dude. Right. Popcorn, dude, all day long, dude. dude. I'll, eat, oh, dude I'll eat a big one. But I, I was saying, it's like, I feel like horror movies are one of those genres that people would like to go to the theater for, too. Like, mm-hmm. there's something about being scared, of, but maybe you got people around so you're not terrified alone in the house. I mean,. I, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, people people do it in the house and they get scared for sure. Some people do. They don't want to watch it alone in the theater. For me, going to the theater outside of horror movies, like I grew up in Charlestown and it was like chaos in my life. I grew up on the projects. It was like just always fucking negative, horrible shit going on. And some kids' outlets would go play football, sports, whatever. And I was never really into like I could play sports, but it was not, not my passion. And I started going to movies. I would take the bus over to the Assembly Square Mall on the weekends. Yeah. And it was the only room that I could go in. There was this giant room. I was doing something I loved, which was like watching a fucking movie. And I was, even though cell phones weren't a big thing when I was a kid, I was cut off from the fucking world. You know what I mean? And I was in the movie. I was, th- I was uh, that was my escape. My escape was to go sit in a fucking theater for two hours, no matter what time of the year it was, and cut that world off from me. And that's how I fell in love with movies. And I would watch movies and be like, why they do that? Why did, and I would, why, yeah. why, why, why? I just I started picking them up. People would hate watching movies with me before I was a filmmaker <laughs> because I would do these things. And then once I became a filmmaker, it's even worse. Yeah. I'm like, ah, you know, I always got something to say. Do you add like so? Sometimes for me, like when I read books or when I used to listen to music when I was a musician, sometimes I could enjoy it, but I was always being a little critical because I'm creating the same thing. Even when I read books now, do you ever get to watch a movie and not? Get into that part of like, mm, well, I would have done this different. Why do you do that? Can you ever just watch it? I, I mean, those thoughts as a filmmaker are always gonna pop in my head. Yeah, you know, like unless it's unless you watch a movie and it's so fucking the and only thing is like, it's so fucking good. I've watched movies. When where, was the last time you watched a movie that good where you didn't get Johnny Hickey the filmmaker mind going and you was just uh-huh. shit? What did I watch? What did I really love this like this year? This has to be something I love this year. <laughs> Right, so nothing that was in the Oscars I was like thrilled about. Joker, Joker was really fucking. I I enjoyed the Joker. Oh yeah, it was great. Flip. The Joker was good. You know what the last movie was that I watched that I liked and I didn't question it and I just thought it was good, and it didn't get a ton of attention, or like reviews really or anything like that. It was Split, the first one. Oh, with the fucking with, I know the, the, when he has a multiple personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. That's what's his name, dude. What's the dude? Six Sense, dude. M-, M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so M Night Shyamalan had some like cool shit at first, and then he had some films that I watched, and I was like, Yo, what are yeah, you dude. doing, dude? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I could watch the trailers and knew I wasn't gonna see those films. Like, some of his were like. And then I went to see Split, and you know the acting was good, the story was different. I, I enjoyed it, you know. That's I enjoyed good. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I was like, this is that was cool. years ago too. So there hasn't yeah. been nothing since then where you were just nothing glued that, to the not, screen. Nothing that jumped <clears throat> onto me, like just when you said that, like what, like it took me. I shouldn't if there's something grabbed onto me that well, I should be like. And the Joker was good. I did enjoy the Joker. I, you know, it was long, and I felt like it took a long time to develop. You know, and there slow was, burn. Yeah, and there was a couple of things I, you know, questioned, but overall, I, it was pretty flawless. When I watch movies at the crib, dude, like I try try more now to like put my phone in the bedroom because in the theater, like you said, like we're cut off, which is one of the best parts about mm-hmm. it. I really like it because then you really are taking it all in with no distraction. But if I'm on the fucking couch, dude, and I've got my phone close, even if it's a movie I love, I can't wait to see. I'm always peeking over, whether it's an email or text. So I'm trying to leave it in the bedroom so I can just zone out, man. Yeah. Like this thing, this fucking thing's been giving me 
I had anxiety lately. I've been able to fight it off forever, but the last like two months, man, I've been way too much on this fucking thing. I know. I wake up in the morning and I, it, by habit, I start going through dude. what uh, what fucking happened from midnight till fucking seven in the morning, dude. That you need to, that know you need about. to be in your fucking. You know, like, did you get an email at three a.m. from some fucking amazing fucking? No, dude. You know, it's so it's hard because especially here, creative, right? I'm a creative. We're doing stuff. You know, you would think back in the day you can throw your phone away, but you need this thing to also do work for. Like, not just like business work, but even creative things. I might have to look at a photo I took that I'm, I'm doing think of, or think send of the, a file. Think of the knowledge that you build yeah. by being able to be yeah. like, you know what, I begin. What is that? Ooh, exactly. But then I'm, again, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. I've got this thing in my hand where I'm using it to help me on my creative mm -hmm. process, but sometimes it's also taken away from it, my focus. And it's like, I need it. Self-control. Fuck, dude, oh God, that's what it comes down to. Weakness. I know, I know, but that's that's literally what it oh, fucking dude. comes down to, you know. Yeah, it's it, self-control. Are you a, are you an all-or-nothing guy, Johnny Hickey? Yeah, probably an all-or-nothing guy. Yeah, I, same, I think, dude, yeah, same. I think I'm definitely all-or-nothing guy. I like to build my self-control in situations like my like just like dieting and that kind of shit. My daughter loves eating like pizza. Yeah, so most kids should. So most kids she'll should. say like, "I want pizza," and I'm, I'll go to say, "Look at what I typically say when I'm on a diet." So I was like, "No, let's do something healthy." And it's like, "Nah, dude, fuck that." She wants pizza. Get her pizza. Get drive, yourself. drive home with that pizza. Fucking smell blasting your oh, face. God. Torture yourself. <laughs> Don't touch that pizza unless you're a fucking complete bitch and you can't say no to a slice yes, of pizza. I love how you shame yourself, bro. I'll fucking shame the fuck dude, out of myself, yes. dude. Yeah, absolutely. The snake man's a big self shamer. Yeah, dude. Like, Thank dude, you, if you eat that pizza, you're a fucking bitch. You have no willpower. Yes. Like, like, what, what are you bitch. even doing? You might as well just go eat that pizza and fucking bury yourself. And so I don't. And then after I, and then after I don't do things like that, and I powerful. and I know like, oh, I fucking didn't eat that fucking yeah, pizza, dude. motherfucker. Like, yeah. like worse, better than kicking drugs, anything. Like it is you, those you feel little things. Yeah, and it's like, dude, I got my willpower because yeah. a lot of people can't do that. Yeah, dude. I mean, I can't sometimes, but when I and when I do, I have to be really militant, and I use like remnants of Catholic guilt and shame to 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 keep me on that that straight and narrow, just like you said. And some of my friends will be like, nah, don't beat yourself up so much, which probably isn't the yeah, best thing. Be who you're going to be. And but at the same time, nah, it fucking, dude. it gets me to get things done, you, you even need, if I got to be harsh. People can like, you know, individuals can live however the fuck they want to live. They don't have yeah. to shame any of that. But like, whatever works for you and what your yeah. ultimate goal is Sometimes in your I mind it, and what you feel better about after, yeah, that's the way to go, dude. Sometimes you got to do it. And also that's, that's the way I kind of learned it. You and, talk to yourself? You know there's people that don't talk to themselves? Dude, I talk out loud to myself. If you, you weren't here, dude, I'd be talking alone in my house, dude. Oh, I have conversations all day with myself. Like, dude, uh, you gotta do this. What are you doing? What the <laughs> fuck? Why you, know, you should do that? No, no, no. I got it from my mother. I used to think she was nuts, but I, I, I do. I hope I'm not. I hope we're not nuts. Maybe we are. Maybe we are. Maybe we are I, I think of definitely, or or like the the ego thing is to be like, oh, I'm not nuts. They are all nuts. Yeah. I'm the same one, you know. I feel the same way sometimes. Yeah. I'm like people think I'm crazy, but but I'm just thinking the way I'm thinking, right? Yeah, dude. Yo, what's that's a badass logo on your shirt, man? That trident thing. This fucking thing. What is it? It's just what is? I just like dude, the I logo. Like, I, I you know the, what? I gotta see what Johnny's got on his shirt. Doc I like these. It's um. It's a. It's, it's like some, some fucking it's like surf gear, dude. Word see, know. I, yeah, I should dude. know, dude. You should know this shit, dude. It's that like looks too shit. fucking fly for me. It's I, uh, from Tilly's, dude. Oh, word. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like it was, dude. It was on sale when I got out here. I went it's in. like that treaded. That's all like this shit. Some all this shit's on sale right now out here in LA because oh, it's, it's out of it. season. But back That's home, true. when I go back home, it's gonna be in full effect, dude. Yeah, yeah, for another month or two. So, dude, I used to always shop off season, like. 
summertime buying all the winter jackets, wintertime buying like shorts and tees and stuff. LA, so like it don't matter to me. Yeah, it's you, one I could be I'm in Pasadena or it's fucking ninety degrees, yeah. then I and I'm hot and I got throwing shorts and a t shirt, then I get on your street and there's yeah. a breeze and yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna throw this on. Yeah. So it's like, I like I like that though, but or like if you drive out of the crib, you still a hoodie or a jacket in the car. So you get a little cold at night because it does. I'm all it just about my down. at night. Yeah, yeah. Dude, down here they're the best because you don't need like a hoodie and a jacket and a scully or a beanie or you know what I mean. You can just yeah. do one layer. Hoodie and shorts, boom, oh, done. Man, it's good great. to that's, go. That's what I when I surf. I usually go in the morning. It's cold. We're like hoodie and shorts, you know, when it's really cold out there. But ah oh, man, so like you said, you have this other movie. Uh, what was it called? De- the Devil's Detox? Devil's Detox is a screenplay that I finished okay. that's kind of the next thing to go. So with that and Habitual is like wrapped in, in, in that stages, are you like, th- those are it right now. There's no, your brain's not running on any no, other I got, projects. No, I got, I got three other projects. <laughs> dude, I got three other fucking projects, dude. <laughs> no, so what do you have? No, no social all life All or nothing, you, you said. That's true, dude. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, my social life is like me, my kid, my fa- my nephew, my, my girl, you know what I mean? Just kind of like, my immediate people around me. That's all you need. Yeah, that's it, dude. And I and, and like CT and me are like tight. We talk every day. But Who's he's that in, for he, the people. Uh, CT's Chris Tamborello. He's my childhood best friend. He's on the challenge on MTV, and he's the star of my new film, Habitual, and he plays like the creature in it. But we have a like me and him have a huge bond, and so I talk to him every day on the phone. But he's in Miami, so we we see each other. He lives like, in Miami. Yeah, he lives in Miami with his wife and his kid. So it's like that, but but we're like on it every day, and at the same time we're like, "Yo, man, I miss you." Like, well, how are we gonna get together? You know, and we always end up like somewhere together, but it's eventually. I think we want to like like raise our kids together That's in the cool. same place and stuff. That's cool. But but right now it's like I, he's doing what he's doing, and I'm doing what I'm doing, and we're, and we're you know trying to get to where we need to be. So I, the social life thing, like, dude, I was always about hanging out with people and yeah. fucking my network and and attention and you know being the fucking cool kid and all that shit, and now it. It's just that shit don't matter to me as much because I'm like, I've earned, like, especially back home in Boston, it's like, well, you can only do so much. Yeah. And so many people want to pull you down. And so many people, like, and especially with what I'm doing, not that I'm better than anybody, but a lot of people don't understand what I'm doing on my yeah. life, on my days. They're, they're working, typical, it's just different, you know? So I've just, the last two years, I've really taken everything and pushed it into habitual and, and making my next movie because oxymorons, I did years ago, and it was great. I had a call fall, and then you start hearing the one-hit wonder. Oh, the guy made an indie film, whatever. And that's my fault because I fell off. I, yeah, you, you we were talking about this off-air off before. Yeah. Because like, I, I, I went through a little fall-off period myself. What, why the fall-off? Uh, How did you get out of it? What did, did you get to learn anything in it? Were you creative? Yeah. Were you still creative, oh. even if you weren't as prolific? Always creative. Always yeah, fucking you, creative. My creative bones never left it. Came down to laziness Ambition, and right? yeah, it, you you know I I lived this life where I wanted to be a filmmaker as a kid. Then I lived this life where I everything that was going on in that chapter of my life, like you know getting in trouble and just my adolescence and stuff and learning my lessons, deterred me from ever thinking I could be a filmmaker. Then getting to the point where, yo, I'm gonna be a fucking filmmaker. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna turn my life around. I'm gonna take all the negatives, turn to a positive. I'm gonna chase my dream. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I'm making it happen. And that's a lot, dude, because you go for a goal like that and, you know, you see other people with their goals and their ideas and it uh, doesn't always turn out the way my situation turned out with oxymorons, with success and finishing a film from A to Z and it ended up on Netflix and wherever it went and all the, all the good things that happened to it. And I think that after I got to that point, 
it was so much work to get there that I was a pussy and I was got tired and I was just chill that I was like, yo, I did this. And I started living off of that for a while, like the dude who did oxymorons. Yeah. And I wasn't coming out to L.A. And I was trying to get things going back in Boston, but nothing was fucking happening. Like, there was a lot of ideas on the plate, and there was a lot of things moving around. But then oxymorons put me in a position where I was a cool kid in the social media world and in the nightclubs and shit. So I was off at tables and come out and the girls and, you know, send the table and... Girls and table and girls yeah, and yeah. potty and table and girl and that became and then I became and I didn't just do that like I was like ooh I'm gonna throw an event and I'm gonna book a DJ and I'm gonna make money off the fucking door and so I started doing that so I started having my hands in all these like yeah, nightlife things and and then eventually I woke up one day and I'm like yo what the fuck are you doing dude you need to be making <laughs> fucking movies bro like yeah, you need to be making movies path, like fucking say. do it dude do it uh, uh, shut the fuck up you're not a filmmaker because you made one movie. So I had to make another movie yeah. to, you know, to be a fucking filmmaker. To yeah, not, not just one, right? Just not tell my one story. You know Dude, what I mean? Like, I you're like, an author. Like, write your book. Uh, well, I like got one book. I'm, I'm working on right, another that, one right that, now. But you purposely. just finished that one. But but get right yeah. into the next. I've already idea, started dude. because of what you said. I don't want to just have that one. I got another one. I've been working on. I got to do what you said because I don't want to fall. I was in the same kind of place where I don't want to fall back in that that pit of no ambition. Where like you had so much for so long, ambition wise. And then you kind of get in this like spot of nothingness, too nah. content with little. You, you crawl out of it if you if yeah. you if you are ambitious enough, and you don't get discouraged by when shit's not flowing. Uh, like you, you could this book could be huge for you, or this oh, book thanks. might be okay for you, yeah. right? But if it's okay for you, don't matter, dude, because most motherfuckers can't write a book and even get it out there. Yeah, yeah. You have a book in the in, in this living room, right? It's printed, yeah, done, stores, right? Every, that's what I'm saying, yeah, dude. Online, but but just the fact that you yeah. have it, yeah, a yeah, physical yeah. book with a cover. And every, same thing with a movie. Like, I have a movie from A to Z. Yeah. A lot of people want to do that, yeah. but they don't. Or they know? get close. They get A to Q, A to R. Right. So you did that, you know? And it's, so it's the same good, thing for me. Good for my self-esteem, Johnny same, Thank No, you, seriously, no, though, I right? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Same thing it. for me. Like, Oxymorons is, did well as far as, like, a cult follows it, but I'm not a millionaire off Oxymorons. But it, gave, it gives you, like, what you need to keep going and make it, did it more. Keep, yeah, it, it absolutely did. It absolutely put me in that position. But I want... I want to be known, dude. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, yeah. I want to be. I. I want to be studio level filmmaking. I want to have. I'm doing these movies on micro budgets. I want to do. Yeah. Well, give me a big budget. Let me cast a thing. Let me show yeah. you guys how to make money and how to make a fucking movie with yeah. ten million dollars. You know what I mean? You fucking like. I watch movies and I'm like, you guys put ten million dollars into. Yeah. Instead of getting discouraged <laughs> by like, you know, yeah, where just keep going. Eventually, something's gonna kick. Yeah, and when you, well, you got I mean? your second film pretty much done, and your third film is 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 materializing. So like. I'm sure you're gonna feel different after Habitual's out and about there in a good way. Yeah, I'm already. I mean, yeah, and then I'm by the time the next one, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Habitual, I'm like so excited about it and the attention it's getting and the festivals and all this stuff. Like, no, I'm pumped about that. But, but I could have just been like oxymorons and then. So how like, did all you? Right, it's done. When you were in that that little slump of of comfortability. Um, what was it that like got you to get up and get Habitual going and climb out and get back on your shit? What what pumped you up right there? What snapped your mind out? You know, I was, I was, I was just tired of of not knowing what I was gonna do. Like, if I'm if I'm gonna get not work a nine to five every day, and I I'm gonna walk around and say I'm a filmmaker and I'm an actor and I'm this and and that, then I need to do it. And so what happened was I was so I was building my network back up, and I came out to L.A. and I met up with uh, Tom Sizemore, who's a friend of mine from you know yeah, Saving yeah. Private Ryan and all that. And Tom pitched me to his manager at the time. They were putting together a fight movie. In Connecticut, so I ended up being a producer on that, 
an actor and head of fight choreography in this movie, Blood Circus. And I went down. Great title, by the way. Yeah, I went down and they had a, you know, they had a decent, you know, micro budget, like kind of like what I just did with Habitual. And they had Tom Sizemore, Robert Lasato, all these, you know, Kevin Nash was in it, Vinny Pastore. So it had some names, you know what I mean? Some like B-level names, whatever. And, and Dada 5000, John Doomsday Howard, like UFC guys like that and stuff. And I watched the, you know, I was back on set again. It was yeah. that you should they, get back on set. And, like, and I tingle. was like, yo, I'm like, what? And, and then I'm, wa- and then I'm, this is like, I'm watching a movie. I'm like, these fucking people are fucking idiots. And I'll say that. You are, I call people, I, I, I threw my hands up on that set you a million times. And I'm four, like, four, I, four. I need to be making fucking movies. If yeah. these fucking people are making movies, I need to be making Dude, that's fucking a, movies. Dude, that's one of the best things of inspiration is when you see somebody doing something you know you could do better. And not the, Post yeah, yourself no. up, but like I read some other shit. I'm like, man, this book. You guys think this is good? This is cheesy. Or, or I listen to like, there's other kids with podcasts more popular than mine. They have the bells and the whistles. It's they the, fucking suck at it. I call it. Like, it's like Conor McGregor. It's a perfect example to me. It's like people are like he's such a shit talker, but he backs it up most of the time. Yeah, so dude. if you're gonna shit on the next guy, are you, and you not even like publicly, not even to like shame. Yeah, it's people mostly public, I just do this in my head. But in your head, you're just like, and that's what I was doing a lot. Like, yo, what the fuck? Why are they do? Oh my god, like I could do this. And yeah. it's like, all right, so then you should be fucking doing this, yeah, dude. You gotta if show you can do it. this, yeah. fucking then do it. Yep. And so yep. that really lit the fire under my ass. Nice, dude. And I and I'm and I have a fucking ego and I'm vain. And I was like, yo, I should be the star on the director, because that kid sucks and that dude sucks and this, that, that in my head. So I should be doing this. So it's like, then fucking do it, dude. And write a better story and get it out there. And I did. So I chased that and I built my team and yeah, and now yeah. I'm now I'm back in my rhythm again, and I fucking love. Oh my dude, I feels love good, it, dude. Right? It feels better than the first time. Yeah, in the and first I like. Time, I like, like that you could say like, do you have an ego and in your vein? Because I I'm vain, and I used to have an ego. I wish I still had it actually, but I I was open about it then, and, and that's why we got to get you and me and Chris Ferrone all got to do a podcast together. Chris Ferrone, if you ever battle listened, battle the minds. Yeah, battle of the egos and or minds. But uh, Chris was on my old podcast back in a couple years ago. But yeah, it's it's a lot of people with egos that I I'm around. Sometimes they're not self-aware of this ego right mm-hmm. and there's a different we all have egos there's a difference between having an ego and being an egomaniac uh but like the people who are usually egomaniacs are not aware that they have the ego or that they're vain i'm quick to be like you and say dude i'm vain that's why like i i eat healthy because i know it's good for me but i also exercise because i want to look good you know because right. i used to model and be on stage and shit so i needed dude, i went through the same thing dude i looked at myself like when you hit that age where like you can't eat fries no more and have a six pack. You like yeah. You can't you, just eat a whole large piece of the face. We say, like, and you look at pictures of yourself and you're yeah. like, oh my god, is that what I look like? And it doesn't matter. If, and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I don't look like that. But in the picture you do. Yeah. So you want to even if it's in your own fucking uh, head. Yeah, I'm dude. on. I've watched stuff. I'm, I'm on camera. I'm like, dude. I'm like, <laughs> fucking. Want to go back and just slap the shit out of myself? Yeah, like, dude. get all that gym. Uh. So so I've reached that point where. It's like, you, you know what? I, I do care about my looks. I do yeah. feel uncomfortable. And being open and honest with it yeah. is okay. I don't give a People fuck, People think it's dude. a bad thing if, you, if you're if you honest about that, you know? like with People like but, me and you, I think, are, we're very unique because a lot of people that are like that, like, you know, like, want, like you know, not con- you know, they want confidence. They're vain. They want to look good. They want to be feel fresh. A lot of those people that don't feel that way will like they're kind of like sh- you know shellless turtles as I like to call them. Ah. And, and, but then me and you, we're kind of guys that like we care about that stuff, but don't get it fucked up. We don't give a fuck what you yeah. think either. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I it's mean? About what it's I about think. what I think, yeah. which yeah. is the biggest critic of all, dude. Like, I mean, I'm sure you're pretty much the same. Like, uh, you're a harsh critic about your own art. 
Yeah. Like like sometimes I'm 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 just always busting my shit down, breaking it down, and then building it back up again to, to just tear it back down. That's what to I, perfect it. That's what I did with like the edit. You know, the edit took so long of habitual, what, habitual because yeah. you you shoot the movie and you get amazing stuff, and then you go in and now you you have a cut and you can be and it's good and everyone thinks it's good, but in your mind, my mind, I'm like. Yo, fuck that. I can do that different, that different. It's not going to cost me much. I need to get back in there one day, and I can make that way fucking tighter and that way better. And then I tell everybody, we're reshooting. And everyone's yeah. like, he's fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, we're going back out to the director? Assign. Are you that dude? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they, my, my cast and my crew love me for sure because they, they fucking hang tight with me, and they do things for me under budget that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't do. And... and you, Oh, hold on, don't worry, It's man. all right, technical difficulties yeah. happen, dude. Turn this guy off and on. Sometimes they overheat, dude. Yeah, fuck them. Don't worry, I had Whatever, shit yeah, it's all good, dude. Yeah, it makes our skin tones look a little darker now. Now we look Italian. No, I was saying you keep hearing the clicking on that, too, so oh, be yeah. careful with that thing, yeah. all right? With the noise. Um, You're good. Good. Good, yeah. good, good, good. I like, good. I like John Hickey runs a tight ship, dude. Yeah, yeah. On your set, are you like tight ship too? Are you like? I, I, no, I'm not like. So I'm not a dickhead on set for sure. Like I let there's room for mistakes, dude. You know what I mean? People are gonna, you know, this shit happens, dude. And especially in an indie budget, and like, yeah. it is what it is, right? But I got no time for foolishness and so, stuff, like you know. <laughs> so dudes are fucking around, time is money, kind of thing. You're right. Like, Yo, dude, yeah. Let's go. Let's like go. with with acting, like I gotta be, you gotta be on your shit, like you know. We, we I get everybody into the vibe and pe- mo- most of my actors like the, one of the film festivals that reached out to me go most independent films you can't stomach the acting to a certain point right because it's just the way it is you know Nate these are yeah. all first time actors in my yeah. film and they go you're acting and the, the acting in this movie is unbelievable they, they make it work it's unbelievable is there's nobody from oxymorons in this new flick no uh, me I'm in it um, there's the DP is the second union DP, the director of photography, cinematographer, is the same from Oxy. It's the same editor, the same colorist. Um, as far as cast goes, no, there's no... Oh, yeah, there is actually, in a weird way. So oh, I would know him from Oxymorons. Or- so you, you wouldn't know him by... Because he's not a main character, but it's funny because he... So in Oxymorons, there's a scene with Tim Sylvia, the UFC yeah, fighter, yeah, clotheslines... Yeah. Uh, uh, Cop and a CO, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the dude flies in the air, like does oh, backflips. Oh, he's in the movie, the cop? So, so that guy that did the backflip, he's this Chinese kid, Anthony Hong. He's a stunt guy. Oh, and badass. so I was on set. He was ended up being on the set with me for Blood Circus in Connecticut, the other movie I just oh, yeah. talked about with Sizemore. And he came up to me, looked at me. I didn't know who he was. And I was like, whatever. And he's like, I was in Oxymorons. And I was like, you weren't in fucking Oxymorons. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck are you, dude. I'm a fucking Chinese kid in Oxymorons. And he's like, I did the stunt for you. And, the, and I was like, oh, shit. He was a little smaller back then. He's like kind of a little bigger now. And so then he did a, uh, he's playing with my daughter. My daughter was in shit. She was little at the time on Blood Circus. She's like 10 years old. And he did this thing where she, for the video for Instagram where she punches him and he falls down and then she grabs by his arm and he throws himself on the wall. And it looks like in the way he did it, he's it looks... He's a stuntman. And, yeah, he's really good, dude. Anthony Hong's a really good stuntman. And he's in a bunch of stuff, too. He's in the... Not Split, but the sequel. Oh, yeah. The and he's in the... Unbreakable yeah, Glass. In, yeah, whatever. Unbreakable. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Glass. He's in um, Avengers. He's in a bunch of shit. In, in Gotham. He's always doing stuff. And so I, so my mind starts going. That's right there on set. I'm like, oh, the horror movie idea I have. And I imagine like the like CT playing this fucking creature and he throws him. Again, so that we have the scene up on Instagram 
of how we did it, how we throw him against the wall with no that. mats, and he falls, and then Damn. we show the actual scene. It's on Instagram now. And so so I ended up calling him and saying, yo, I'm doing this new film. I want you in it. Now, but I'm not just going to make you a stunt guy because I know he wants to act. Yeah. I'm like, I'll make you an actor in this too. And do your and own And then stunts. I'll get you to do exactly. That's dope, man. So it worked out. So he's in it. And, and me, I guess we're the only two from I'm just in my head trying to pick it apart to think if anybody else... Was that a conscious decision or just the way the cookie crumbled on it? Well, Oxymorons was a very unique cast. You know, I mean, it had to be, you know, the people from Charlestown had to be able to be believably yeah, yeah. from Charlestown in yeah. that movie. And the accents had to be on point. And a lot of, like, the cops and stuff in that movie were real cops that came on set and, like, brought their Boston police cars and that stuff. And investors from the North End had to have certain roles in that movie. Yeah. Patty Ross played my mother. This I wanted a younger and cast. And she, I've seen her in other shit too. Patty's an amazing yeah, comedian. Seen her in a dude. Bunch Patty of movies, Ross dude. is fucking she was good. Funny is your mom? She crushed that role, dude. She crushed that role. So it wasn't done on purpose. It just no one from oxymorons, age-wise, fit into the younger group of kids. You know, really that. You know, I think Stiz was like the oldest one of the group, but he pulled it off with them. Funny, because he's like young. He, may, he was making fun of us for being old. He looks like he's fucking 42, but he <laughs> makes fun of us for looking old. <laughs> Stiz had a bad paper on. You don't take care of him. He doesn't lotion. He, he had that. Anything. He ate the pizza that you didn't when you were shaming the pizza in yeah. the backseat. Oh, he, he don't ate care. the whole yeah. Stiz, you Stiz, ate the whole fucking Stiz pizza. So we went to, me and Stiz were just in Vegas together for the Conor McGregor fight. And we were doing like media stuff out there, and that was the problem. Every day was we stayed together, and then it would be time to eat, and he'd be like, "Yo, I'm just gonna go downstairs and get a slice of pizza. It's like two dollars." And I'm like, "Dude, let's go have like Thai food." And I'm trying yeah, to yeah, eat like yeah. semi healthy. I'm like, "I got, I got you. Like, let's just go, dude. Like, yeah. you know what I mean?" Like, and he's like, you "Nah." Take the kid out of Chelsea. Can't take the uh, donuts. Out the you know, kid, we go dunk of donuts. He's uh, like Boston cream. I'm like, I dude, can't I, do I, that. Justin Clancy on my podcast yesterday. He's from Peabody. He had a big old iced coffee from Dunkies here because there's a Dunk. The first LA one is like close to here. So he must have gone there when he came here or something. People like that. about that out here, dude, Shoot. if they're from Boston. It's I'm like, like straight on it, dude. No, there's a million places to yeah, get like yeah. a real iced coffee yeah, here yeah. over Dunkin' Donuts. Right. Definitely, that shit that we drank, whatever that was, I might not drink. I'm going to half of one the of those Jeff the Fuel. next time. Like, dude, I'm not going to, I'm going to, when you when this podcast over, you leave, I might like build cabinets in the house. That's the best shit. bet, though, is to rearrange my house. Is to get people all jacked up on that coffee. Maybe get them to sponsor the podcast. There you <laughs> hey, go dude, right I there, right? I got, I got a CBD sponsor, but that makes you too mellow. I'll show yeah. it to you afterwards. Dude, it's the best CBD shit in the only company I would fucking vouch for. So I got a kid back home in Mass. He has a CBD manufacturing plant in Gloucester, and then he sell. It's called Hoots and Moots. Oh, his thing. I don't mean to like step on no, you, no, but it's course. back in Boston. It's not a big thing or anything. But he's but he's licensed and has like the CBD medical license and all that. And I thought it was kind of like snake oil, most of it in a sense. I always thought that till I tried the company but, that sponsors me. But go yeah, on. and then I read the science of it, yeah. and, I was, and I'm open minded to that kind of shit. And when I smoke fucking weed, I get high. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and, yeah, I, and yeah. I believe in the health benefits of that of, of marijuana. And and so he gave me stuff. I had a I, I, I hit the bag a lot, and I box, and I hurt my wrist. Uh, maybe like Helps, two winters ago, I fell on the ice and I snapped my wrist back. So every time I hit the bag, I can only go so hard because. The, oh, my, my wrist was such a sore and I don't want to mess it up so he gave me the CBD stuff and he was like menthol eucalyptus stuff mm. and I put it on you could, I could feel it oh like, like, a, a, like a, a lotion like a spray yeah, yeah a bomb. I have a bomb over there and I'm like this is gonna dude in two days two days Man, I put that shit on my two back days, all the time dude. pain gone two days later instantly when I hit the bag I could hit it with everything again. Yeah. If it's made right and real, there is a lot of snake oil companies. Like said. anything you see in like, like the anything. Whole Foods and yeah. like that, that's all fake as fuck. But if it's done right properly, it can work. But the thing is, I, I even though that's a sponsor of the podcast, I don't want everyone too mellow on here. I've had dudes right. be like too drunk or high and they're like, 
nodding out. It, you yeah, know what I'm saying? I got to keep you on point. Or and with CBD, you, what I've what I've learned is like the edible stuff that you're talking yeah. about everybody's different yeah. so the dosing could affect me way different than it affects you yep, yep. You, you know our bodies are made up differently what i was it. taught by the, my man who their company's from colorado um and he's like a sci- he's like a strip scientist mm-hmm. a chemist in the lab and he was saying for cbd shit to really work and i always, this is in the ad i know it sounds repetitive dude it's in the ad it's in the podcast but um it's like one milligram per pound of body weight is really to make it work so like i'm almost 200 pounds so mm-hmm. i'll take their gel caps are 75 milligrams. So I'll take two. It's only 150. Not fully my body weight, but close enough where I actually feel it. Whereas before, I was taking 10, 20 milligram little pills. And I was like, dude, this, sometimes this shit ain't doing nothing. Ain't doing dude. anything. And my yeah. boy's like, that's because you're just too big, dude. And you smoke. If you don't smoke weed, it hits you stronger. If Since we that smoke weed, yeah. we need a little more of it. But I take two of his capsules, 150 milligrams. And like, I take it mostly for my anxiety. Or like, if right now, maybe if I had too much coffee, it'll mellow me out, but not like sleepy. But chill. yeah, I think it's good for people trying to recover from <clears throat> drugs and stuff. Like, yeah, you know, from like you know, like hard drugs, because it gives you back your REM sleep at night and stuff like that. In your vivid dream state, like you lose that. Even if you're not kicking drugs and you don't have that, yeah. you want that. Have you on either of your films? Has anyone ever like come to set like fully in character the way like Martin Sheen or Brando or dudes used to like on drugs or drunk to play in a scene or yeah oh scene so i mean habitual we did some interesting things um we, you know i kind of let the cast like yo this is this is what's going on in the movie whatever you guys want to do to bring it to your level this is your opportunity you guys are, you guys have a chance right now to be in a feature film that my first film got out there so there's a good chance that this one's gonna get out there so do you do your shit you know and i would say like stiz dude stiz Brought, you know, that kid brought his A game. He really did. His, you know, he's like being crazy and like he was ripping fucking paint chips off the wall in the asylum and like rubbing them in his mouth and his face. Like he was going a little overboard for sure. He was like grimy in his like rap name does not sell short at all. Like yeah, being yeah. on set with him. So he, he did it. He was down. CT definitely, definitely like not, a, not the character where he plays like a normal person, but the monster. Like he created that monster. I didn't. Cre- I created the concept of the monster and what it was. It's called the blight, and it's this you know this figment of their imagination. Let's just say, in the state that they're in, and in the faces, a plague mask made of flesh. Like so, like those doctors' plague masks, but it's made uh, out of skin, kind of like leather it's face, but it's skinny. a plague mask. Yeah, and he created all the movements and the noises and really brought brought it in. I think an oxymoron. Some people would definitely fucking. On drugs. I mean, it looked authentic. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying anyone was or wasn't, but from a guy who knows that realm. People think I was on drugs and scenes and that. <laughs> People do. They're like, dude, you got high from that. And I was like, no, nah, dude. But I always, like, I'm fascinated by, like, movies. Just, you, you know? hear stories of, like, famous actors who were, like, maybe they were drunk or on drugs in real life, but the character also was. And I don't know, man. That shit always leaves a little more folklore around the movie, and I like that. Right. I'm sure it's tough on the people making the movie, but... Yeah, no, I mean, listen, if you can do it and do it right, like, whatever, you know, when his character acting like that, I can, I mean, I can be on drugs and not be on drugs, you know what I mean? I can go back to yeah, that state of mind. if you've ever had to, like, straighten up in front of authority figures or your mother when you're, like, 14 or some shit or anybody, you can kind of try to snap out of it, sober up a little bit, if you will. Yeah, the thing about Oxy for us is, like, the cast goes, like, we were, like, you know, not sleeping, we had long days, Bags under our so we looked, looked uh, <laughs> no makeup. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I was like, we're not doing makeup up. on this set. Like we, for the for the druggies and the like. Why would we put any makeup on? Yeah. Let's just be like raw and sweaty and gritty and nasty. Yeah. Make it documentary style. You because you want people to feel that realism 
of the story. Yeah. You know? You're watching a story about like street life and in, in, in the streets that you grew up in or is something that you relate to in your group. And the second things are too fixed and too like perfect and the here's norm like perfect. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, it, it takes away from me, dude. You know what I mean? That takes away from the movie instantly. You know, yeah. that, that gimmicky stuff can take away. So you yeah, keep it. Yeah, I, I, I kind of always like the little things, the nuanced authenticities in a movie sell it to me because when I notice something's a little not like that, if I... Th- point out inaccuracies like in the timing like in the new Narcos season right Mm -hmm. they got like this dude Quavo who's the rapper and some other dudes playing these 80s LA crack dealers that go to visit them in Mexico but the way they're dressed isn't 80s enough it's too modern and I'm like I don't buy this and the way they're talking isn't how an 80s LA crack because you got guys from Atlanta in 2020 playing 80s crack dealers and they're not and it pulls it away from you right and it just I didn't. I just. It was hard for me to take it because it just was like mm-hmm. inaccurate all of a sudden. You know, there's things with that show City on a Hill that's about. Oh child. yeah, I know, I know. And there's this not even about the Charlestown stuff. Like there's just like when they showed like I like Jonathan Tucker a lot. Yeah, and he, and he lived in Charlestown. Yeah, yeah, as a yeah. Kid. He's not. He didn't like grow up in the projects or anything. He was yeah. like more like a rich kid from like near the monument, but whatever. But he's he is he's from the area. Yeah. And and he's an I think he's an amazing. He did actor. a great job in, in that too, you know. I like him in every. I've always admired him from Sleepers when he was a kid actor. He was a kid in Sleepers. Yeah, he's one of the kids in Sleepers. Yeah. Oh shit, yeah. dude. Yeah, he was. Oh the fuck. Big, yeah, that's him. And then he was in like that horror movie, The Ruins. Paul. He was in a bunch of stuff. I, you know, I always noticed his name and knew who he was, so I always like paid attention to the stuff he was in. Westworld. So. So I, I admire him, so I give it a chance because he's in it. Yeah. So that's pretty authentic yeah, to anything me. Anything Boston really, I always check out just to see mm-hmm. so I can, and I'm very critical. And him being a good actor, it's, he knows how to, he knows what a town he's like. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's not he did the townie role good. Where was the kid who played his brother from? Canada. Okay, because like, and you could tell. Yeah, yeah. It's, he wasn't horrible sometimes. He played the younger generation townie kind of kid but, well, but, but definitely... The, my problem is this is... We're going on the mid-90s, early yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no one doing perks. Yeah, that's... In the, in the yeah, fucking... People they, were smoking he, dust and doing blow, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, all the way up until 1990. Yeah, dude. And so, was, yeah, that's where... There was little things like that that didn't add up. And then the Charlestown gangsters, like yeah, the ones, the other... The other Shays, bank... Which is kind of right, basically the, based off the no-name so, gang, right? So the other... Yeah, so the other bank robbers that... Yeah. Taka goes to meet up with when they're doing the score, like oh, the other yeah, townie yeah, bank yeah, robbers. Yeah. They're not in any the way believable townies, though, dude. Like, one dude looks like he's from the North. He's like Italian with yeah. like slick black hair. And it's like, dude, who are these guys? And they just didn't have it characteristic wise. And then, yeah. and then other things like the lawyers, and you know, he's in, living in the South End, which in the South End, it was like the gays would kind of like yeah, buying yeah, a property yeah. and making the South End a nice place. That part's true, but it was like, LGBT community meeting in yeah. the in the show, and I'm yeah. like, LGBT didn't exist. As a, yeah, right, that, it didn't exist. How are you going to put that? You're just putting that in because it's the politically correct yeah. thing to do today. Yeah. So you're taking away from so whoever's like, you know, they're writers and they're the consultants are yeah. a, a flaking. You know what I mean? It was funny because also, dude, there was a scene where they showed. Fuck, man. There was a scene where they showed... I don't know. I, I probably think know because I picked it It was a scene dude. where they're supposed to be in JP at Bromley Heath. But I grew up in JP for a part of my life, too, so I very much know what those projects look like, and they weren't. I, for, I mean, I couldn't pinpoint which projects they were actually in, but I knew they weren't in Heath Street. It wasn't Heath Street. And not that, that's not the big deal. Most people are not right. going to pick that out, but I, I would. I, right. just, I didn't even try to. I just You notice it, you know? One of the other things they did was they're in the salon, and the, the, the armored truck guards are missing. And they're oh, like, yeah. and they're like, well, and the women are in there talking, like supposed to be from Charleston or yeah, whatever. And they're yeah. like, 
well, they, they're missing. And she's like, what do you think? They went to Foxwoods for the weekend. I'm like, yo, Foxwoods was not a fucking thing in the early 90s. Yeah, dude, Foxwoods was like, what, mid to late 90s? Probably? Like late 90s, right? Yeah, I can't or remember. Late 90s, dude. Maybe even 2000. <laughs> no, no, it couldn't be 2000. It had to be like, I would say like at least 97. Foxwoods, I mean, Mohegan Sun was there. Didn't Foxwoods come after? I'm going to have know. to look it up so yeah, I know yeah, that yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. like not Don't damage goods. Now. We don't claim yeah. anything to be accurate. Yeah, we don't know, but I just felt like, but, uh, but, but I, I, I'm always really hard. I felt like it was out of time shit like that. Yeah. Any Boston movie, I'm, I think, just because you know, if it's familiar, uh, you're gonna be a harsher critic of it. You know, I'm sure, like if we are from Chicago, dude, same fucking thing. But that's you know? the thing when we watch those movies, like that are in Chicago and Detroit. Michigan, I can enjoy them a little easier. We, right, we watch them and we and we loose. don't we don't pull them apart. I'm whereas, sure those kids do though. I'm sure they do, but then I always wonder, like, is Boston just way more distinct, like neighborhood wise? Because like, in, although Charleston and architecture, Charleston and Southie was, are very similar to anyone that's not from Boston. Yeah, but, but architecturally, they're completely different. And there were scenes different. where they're pulling up to the dude John Tucker's character's house and things. I'm like, I'm, not, I'm like, there's no houses in Charlestown no. that looked like that with that big of a space between another one. No. They could have been in Dorchester. They could have been in South Boston. Not even really even South Boston. And he has Boston. a mullet too in it, doesn't he? It's it's curly, dude. It's hard to tell. He has a hat on most yeah. of the time. He was very good in it, though. He, he was good in it. What'd you think of um, Homeboy and um, Kevin Bacon? I like I like Kevin Bacon. Yeah, he's done. He's that's like his third movie where he plays a Boston cop. Yeah, I think he I think he. Pulls I think he's it getting off. it down by now. I didn't think he was great in at first in um. The girl doesn't. The girl's girl? the girl, the Italian DA girl with him, though, like the one that's like his, you know. Oh yeah. The one or she's like Persian or some shit, right? She's like but, she's supposed to be Italian in it. I, I think, thought they were like she was Persian but pretended to be Italian. Something. Like I think I maybe. But I whatever it is, she's straight out of New York. She's oh, yeah. not. You can tell. Like she looks yeah, she's like trying to play the could, North Shore role. She could be in any of those New York cop shows that they have, but she, it doesn't fit into the to the Boston one at all. It just it didn't it doesn't work for me so I pull things like that apart you know yeah, million like, dollar question for you Johnny Hickey best Boston movie of all time best oxymorons all right y'all this episode of the Damaged Goods podcast was brought to you by Elite Botanicals Elite Botanicals is originally the CBD division of Elite Cannabis if you guys have heard me talk about them you know this is my favorite CBD product out there the only one that truly works. I swear by it, that's why I'm endorsing them, not for any other reason. And now they're back with their new line for your little pets, Whole Pet CBD. They are one of the first companies farming high CBD cannabis under industrial hemp rigs. They've been working with CBD since 2013 with one of the first licensees in Colorado. Also, they've been working with Colorado State University since 2016 on their canine research study with CBD. So they know what they're doing. Their focus is providing farm-to-table product that uses the best ingredients possible, ultra-refined, distilled, full-spectrum CBD oil at high potency for reasonable pricing. That's the problem. Most of these other guys are overpriced for their non-working stuff. This allows for effective dosing and a 30-day-plus supply per unit. For the pets, they've got drops that go on their food or in their mouth. they got chicken and salmon-flavored ones. They've got soft gel capsules. They got a gravy powder. You just sprinkle that over their food or put a couple of water in there. And it makes a nice little gravy mix chocked full of CBD, glucosamine, and omegas for their joints. They've got nose and toes balm for cracked noses and paws. And they got some all natural treats on the way. All this is available at wholepetcbd.com. Elite cannabis, elite botanicals, and now whole pet CBD. All from Elite. Go check it out.